Welcome to the First Take, First Word Pharma's weekly digest of the latest news from the pharma and biotech sectors. On this episode, we round up the industry's headline news, including Merck Co.'s proposed acquisition of Acceleron, and dig deeper into Insight's aspirations in graft versus host disease, and Pfizer's latest update for its DMD gene therapy programme. Please subscribe, like and share, and most importantly, thanks for listening. past week has seen a number of notable updates relevant to the COVID-19 vaccine landscape, including a CDC advisory panel backing use of third-shot boosters for some parts of the US population, and Pfizer announcing new data for its vaccine showing effectiveness in children as young as five. Most significantly, perhaps, was Sanofi's announcement that despite positive results from a Phase 1-2 study, it is no longer pursuing development of its own mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccine, given a number of similar products already on the market and challenges associated with running placebo-controlled studies. Sanofi only completed its acquisition of the mRNA specialist Translate Bio for $3.2 billion earlier this month, but said these positive early-stage data validate its new technology platform and will facilitate the development of vaccines against other pathogens. In the longer term, protecting its large influenza vaccine business from potential mRNA competition appears to be a key strategy for the company. Elsewhere, earlier today, Merck & Co announced a deal to acquire Acceleron for approximately $11.5 billion, making it the largest biopharma acquisition in 2021 to date. The acquisition will accelerate Merck's potential movement into the pulmonary arterial hypertension market, where it already has mid-stage assets in clinical development. Acceleron's investigational drug, Sotatacept, is currently in Phase 3 studies for PAH, and has been touted as a potential game-changer in this indication. Pivotal stage data are expected in approximately 12 months' time. The acquisition is also widely seen as Merck seeking to address concerns among some investors that it remains too reliant on its Keytruda franchise, prompting the question as to whether further deals will follow. Editas said this week it had been keen to share initial clinical data for its in vivo gene editing candidate Edit101, which is being developed for blindness caused by a rare degenerative disorder. The company's share price fell as much as 20%, however, with investors left to ponder whether data from six patients revealed much at all. The most promising efficacy was seen in one of three patients in the mid-dose cohort. Given limited data, it's impossible to tell whether this was an actual signal or just noise, wrote Morgan Stanley analysts in a note to investors. The small sample size, short follow-up, and potentially suboptimal dosing in the first two cohorts are cited as potential contributing factors, with analysts going on to describe this week's update as disappointing relative to investor expectations. This week, Insight entered a deal with Syndax to develop and commercialise axitinumab, currently in phase two development for the treatment of chronic graft versus host disease. Results from this study are expected in 2023. Insight will pay $117 million up front and make a $35 million investment in Syndax, which is also eligible for up to $450 million in milestone payments. Virginia, how does the Syndax deal align with Insight's portfolio strategy? 
So this deal opens up the potential for wholly owned combinations between Insight's JAK inhibitors and axitilimab. Insight already markets its JAK inhibitor, Jacafi, for acute GVHD, and just last week, the FDA approved it for chronic GVHD as well in patients 12 and older who have failed one or two prior lines of therapy, and they also have a JAK1 inhibitor, itacitinib, in the clinic for GVHD. So the Syndex program, which is a CSF1R inhibitor, offers a completely different mechanism of action that could be sequenced with or combined with more established mechanisms to target different parts of the immune system. And then if we zoom out a little bit, the deal also gives Insight a potential medium-term growth driver, which feels a little bit more urgent now that they've been hit with a black box warning for their topical JAK inhibitor, Opsilura, for atopic dermatitis. And that might have the potential to dampen that program's sales potential. Yeah, we've actually been running a poll to dermatologists and allergists in the US to try and gauge some feedback to that black box warning for Opsilura. Um, I've had a look at the preliminary data which is coming today and it certainly looks like there's going to be some caution towards using that product for mild to moderate atopic dermatitis. But interestingly, I think physicians will also make a distinction um, between the, the safety concerns associated with that product in the eyes of, of the FDA because it's a topical treatment and the oral JAK inhibitors where the FDA appears to have sort of transferred its safety guidance from. Obviously, they, they recently announced some new safety guidelines for the oral JAK inhibitors for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, Virginia, you know, looking at the bigger picture as well, where does Insight see um, axiotilimab fitting into the broader treatment landscape for GVHD? So Insight's initial focus for axitilimab will be in the third-line settings, what they've said, but the ultimate goal for them is to move into earlier lines of therapy and potentially reduce or eliminate the need for steroids in the first-line setting, and they're hoping to accomplish that through combinations with their JAK inhibitors. And they're not alone in that strategy, so there's been a lot of attention recently on Resurac, a ROC2 inhibitor that was approved by the FDA earlier this year in chronic GVHD patients. And the KOLs that we've spoken with have high hopes for that program in later lines of therapy, but they also want to see it tested in earlier lines of treatment with that same goal of reducing steroid use. Um, and there's a whole host of reasons for wanting to reduce steroid use. Many patients will respond initially, but then the response doesn't last. And others who do respond to treatment can become dependent on it. That leads to other complications from long-term steroid use. So the question that Insight and other companies in this space are asking is how can they best sequence or combine their newer agents to replace steroids. Pfizer announced this week that it has implemented protocol changes to an ongoing phase three study of its investigational Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene therapy after observing three serious adverse events of muscle weakness. This is especially concerning in a study that's evaluating a gene therapy expressly designed to treat the progressive muscle degeneration that is a hallmark of DMD. Michael, what more do we know about these adverse events that have occurred and how Pfizer's responded to them? There's probably some immune response that a few patients have had to the gene therapy itself. And so that's based on a, a data monitoring committee that has suggested excluding patients with very specific mutations and or deletions from the study moving forward. Mutations slash deletions represent about 15% of the population 
of DMD. So, you know, moving forward, they're going to continue the study and, uh, you know, they're going to exclude these patients. But, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, another red flag, essentially. It's not the first red flag um, that they've had in, in DMD and gene therapy. You know, so there's these three candidates. Pfizer's the, the lead uh, horse in the race at the moment, and they've actually had problems in the past. There was complement activation that occurred uh, in a phase one trial. They seem to have gotten that under control using complement inhibitors. Um, and then another one from Solid Biosciences, which is also AAV9 based, like Pfizer's gene therapy. So that has also had complement activation issues. Um, in a phase one, two trial. And then sort of the third one, that's the, the lead of the three or the, of these three leading candidates, Sarepta has a, a gene therapy that doesn't use AAV, it does AAV9. It uses a, a different one, AAVRH74 as the vector. So it's a little bit different, um, but that's had issues too where investors are not so sure it even works. <laughs> so there's there's a, you know, a lot of questions that uh, have been raised about gene therapies in the DMD space. And it comes, of course, in this, uh, at a time when we're in the backdrop, there has this AAV-based gene therapy sort of safety questions that have been a spotlight um, at FDA. So, you know, it's just, a, it's an interesting you know, development. Um, it'll be interesting to see how these play out. They're all still moving forward. So we'll see more shoes to drop. Um, and we'll see, you know, how it goes with AAV uh, in the wider sense, because it's being developed for a lot of different uh, diseases. So we'll see. 